They're going to try to stop the run. They're one of the best in the league, and they want to establish the run on their side. we, we got to match that physicality. Trenton Gill. Fields at the 24. Escapes. Nice run back. Only one man to beat. And Gill down the sidelines, skirting the sidelines, and takes it all the way into the flag down. Give it to Foreman. And he's in. Deontay Foreman takes it in for the touchdown. Minshew's going to throw. Minshew. Buying time. Flips it out for Downs. <laughs> what a catch by the rookie. Second and 11. Minshew. Flips it, tipped, and intercepted. Intercepted by Miles Bryant. Three wide receivers set on second down. Pass deflected, picked off, and taken in for a touchdown by Kyle Hamilton. Browns with touchdowns on their last two possessions. Uh -oh. Deflected, picked off, and taken back by Newsom. Newsom stayed in bounds. Touchdown. Wow. Williams had a block and Brown had a block. The two tackles go and DP's got him. Chase at the 20. You can kiss him goodbye. Touchdown, Cincinnati. Cam Sample back on the defensive line. It's first and goal. Fake to Singletary. To the air. Dell will dance, dive, and score! What a play! Tank Dell! Touchdown pass! Stroud! Six-yard bullet! And Dell with the lunge! Good looking for six defensive backs for the Steelers. Remember, Highsmith off of one edge, Watt off of the other. Jones exits the backfield. Love. Pulls the trigger on a deep one. Caught. Touchdown. Jaden Reed on the grab. Look at him guarding the goal line. And then you better block 90 and 56. One last chance for the Packers. Love throws. End zone. Intercepted. And it's over. Casey. It's done. Caught TJ Hawkinson back in. Third down and six. Stepping up, Dobbs. Nothing downfield, spinning away. Gets a block from Derisaw. Dobbs trying to shake his way to the end zone. Pressure coming, launches for Olave. He came down with it, and it's rolled a touchdown. All right, so from the 48, a deep drop, letting things develop. Heaves it downfield. Kirk comes back to the ball, and he's got it. First and goal for Jacksonville. We've got to just get him on the ground. Second down and short here. Purdy has one-on-one. -on -one. George Kittle, goodbye! Heave ho and a touchdown!
Here comes Jeffrey Simmons. Mayfield able to get it to White. And he's got room to run. Rashad White inside the 20, the 10, 5, dives. And he is in for a touchdown. What a play by Mayfield to get rid of the football. And Rashad White does the rest. A 43-yard score. And that's, of course, something that I'm sure Levis will retain for the rest of his life, guys. No doubt as Phillips has a head of steam. And Phillips still going. Big play for Tennessee thanks to the second-year wide receiver out of UCLA. You have to think you're in two-down territory at this point. Ritter fakes everyone out. Ritter, and he's in. Touchdown. Aren't you cold and watch that play potentially? Ritter on in relief of Taylor Heineke. And he's brought Atlanta back in front. James Conner lines up at the top of your picture here with just under a minute left. Murray puts a mare under it. Near side of the comebacker, McBride. And he's inside the 10. You start to believe like they're starting to, anything could happen. The way they're playing, it's showtime. As Montgomery gets into the secondary. He's inside the 40, he's got a blocker up ahead. David Montgomery's going the distance. Showtime for the Lions. You can hand the ball off, but he's going to motion across the field, back and forth, fake it, and then come back to the right. You got it, Tony. Over the top, the pass, perfect. Get it, Allen. Cuts back to the middle. He's going to find his way home. What a play on fourth down and a touchdown. I was Come waiting on. for you to throw that out there. I mean, geez, it took you long enough. Well, you got to give me a chance. Throw it outside to Cager, who is going to be in for the score. Lawrence Cager has the touchdown. The Giants put together a drive, and they're on the board. Like clock winding down. They get the playoff. Protected. Going deep. Michael Gallup. He's got it. Touchdown, Dallas. Pacquiao punch, probably a run. Oh, oh, the play fake. And then the check down. Walker, the defender in front of him, stumbled, and that gives Walker space. And now Walker with extra space down the sideline. He is gone. Touchdown, Seattle. Don't forget your halfbacks, even in situations like this. Quick, easy completion here gets a fourth and manageable. Third down and ten. Howell scanning the field, throwing over the middle. It's caught at the fifth hole. Deami Brown, he'll take it to the house for the touchdown. Jacobs in motion, fake to him. O'Connell looking. Goes to the back, it is caught. Mayor for the touchdown. Too big, too good. Raiders take the lead. Nice snap handled by Zach Crosby coming in. Wilson throws it in the middle. Conklin at the 45. They've got a timeout. They're not going to take it. Wilson sets up and spinning around to the back of the end zone. Sutton. And just as good here on the back end by Cortland Sutton being able to keep his feet in play. 
Little shoulder fake, wide open touchdown, Kincaid. What an answer by Buffalo. G'day Aussie Gridiron fans, welcome to a week 10 for the G'day Gridiron 2023 NFL season. We are in double digits boys, how's it feel to be at week 10? Seems like a very short downhill run now Brad, to um, to week 18 to the finals, it doesn't seem like we're far away at all. No it doesn't and it, it's, it's, it's gone by quick in, in my opinion um, and it's crazy just to think that we still don't, you know, we've got a couple teams at the top, uh, but there's no real clear uh, separation in my opinion. So the NFL has got to be just loving the parody. And, and I think the, the script writers have this season well in hand. They're doing a good job. Yeah, definitely. There mm-hmm. is some Manchester, There's some crazy stuff going on in the AFC right now. So many teams. Oh are at four or five losses. There's so many right in the middle of the pack that could just do anything in this next eight weeks. Yeah, and talk about this week. I mean, there's got to be a lot we're talking about. This might be one of our longest episodes, boys. I just want to oh, really don't, get people... Don't jinx us. Well, don't jinx us. Look, I hope not, but there were six games decided by a field goal on the last play of the game so there's a lot there's a lot to talk about boys i can't wait to get into it <laughs> yeah that's right five five field goal uh five deciding field goals i'll get it out one day five deciding field goals on sunday football alone which apparently is an nfl record high for one single game day and, really yep and yeah. then according and of course uh just today, uh, Monday night football was decided by a field goal as well. So it is um, a bit technically, it wasn't a walk-off field goal, and we'll jump straight into Thursday night fo- football. But technically, it was won by a field goal late in the game by the Bears, who beat the Panthers 16-13 to in Chicago. I said last week we needed more Bears talk. For a, a few of our listeners out there, just a few, a bit more bright and sunny stuff to talk about for the Bears. I don't know whether this is really bright and sunny talk. They did manage to grind out a win here against the hapless Panthers. Bryce Young doesn't seem to be able to get anything going on offense. And it is such a, the, the more and more we see from CJ Stroud, the more it is such a stark contrast, which is what, what is happening with Bryce Young. Um, and especially when they get beaten by Tyler Badgett and the Chicago Bears. Manjot, what are you, um, yeah. thoughts on this game a little bit? It's, uh, it was yeah. a weird one to watch. I remember that. There was oh, a lot, lot yeah. going on our text thread. I didn't know whether to pay attention to a lot of it on Friday or not. Oh, yeah. It was, it was really weird. Honestly, boys, I don't watch too much of this, honestly. I didn't really have the best Wi-Fi situation going on at the time. So I that decided was, just was in case. Definitely a fortunate situation for you. No yeah. uh no no Wi-Fi I, thanks to some idiots cutting your MBN cable. Uh yeah. <laughs> just in case, just in case that I needed it for Sunday football. 
I decided not to waste my mobile data in this game, but I did see the highlights a little bit. And yeah, it's really hard to gauge where Bryce Young is, honestly, at the moment. And it's hard to gauge where the Bears are as well. I don't think Tyson Bajan's QB1, like people are starting to really drum up all this talk. Like I said last episode, that really we should stop that right there. Justin Fields would have definitely won this game as well. I just wanted to put that one out there. Bajan just did his job, but he didn't really elevate this offense. Neither did Bryce Young for his offense. And I really think it's one of the most dour games like there was. I couldn't believe they put this on prime time, to be honest, boys. I mean, I think this was like something that we would just, I, I don't know, we would just punish or something with this game. That's just what I felt. Thankfully, I opted out of that punishment. <laughs> I think a lot of people did. Everyone sort of has to have their time on prime time, though, unfortunately. There is there is a bit of a share thing going on. But, Brad, let's. I think the only thing to really talk about with this game is a, a bit more of Bryce Young. It, only 209 uh, attempt, 290 attempts for the season so far, 1,500 yards, eight TDs, seven interceptions. There's something. For a guy that was touted as a generational talent, there's something seriously wrong here in Carolina. Well, you're right. I think there is definitely something wrong in Carolina. Um, I'm, I'm still not convinced that it's, it's all Bryce Young's fault. Uh, yeah. I think I think it's pretty... He's That's got a fair. pretty woeful situation going mm. on around him. Uh, especially with that receiving core. They just... They don't they don't have anything. But he's not doing himself really any favors. Um, you know, he had only uh, barely over 100 yards passing through three quarters. And he, he, and he finished the game with 185. And no touchdowns. And the big thing is he didn't throw any inter- interceptions. Um, he could have. He should have probably been picked off two or three times in that game, which I unfortunately did, man, John, I did watch too much of it. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it's it's the Panthers are woeful, and it's not going to get any better this week, uh, you know, going up on a short, uh, short week playing against the Cowboys. So it, it's – I, I I would be worried if I was Carolina, uh, especially because you're not having that draft pick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, I will. We get to the first of the Sunday football games, and it was what happened to be the last of the international games for this season. And I think, and I should have checked the stat before we came on, I think it was the 50th uh, NFL international game to be played. After... What we saw last week in Germany between the Chiefs and the Dolphins, for some reason the NFL thought, and Medjit, you get on primetime games, some reason the NFL thought that sending the Indianapolis Colts and the New England Patriots of all teams to Germany would be a great idea. And, of course, they picked these games way in advance to say who was going to be there so they can really hype up the international games. But I think just about any NFL fan could have told you that sending a New England Patriots team to another country to play would result in a uh, a grind of a game because that's the style of football Bill Belichick plays. And it, it, I think they tried to make it a grind and then Mac Jones uh, really made it even harder of a grind he ended up getting benched very late in the fourth quarter. One drive to go, actually. 
Bailey mm-hmm. Zappi came in for the last drive, threw a fake, fake to spike of all things, and then threw an interception on an absolute balloon ball, handing the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts the win, ten to six. I don't, man, this is a this is a very hard game to talk about, and I'm so glad it's at the top of our schedule. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's you know I'm just. Oh, man. I'm just- Sorry, sorry, Mancha. I I'm just floored uh, at how bad the Patriots are looking. Uh, you know, and it, you're hearing more and more. Uh, get rid of Mac Jones. Get rid of Bill Belichick. And so it's the best thing they they've got going for is is the draft pick. So I mm-hmm. think just throw, throw the towel in on this season. And I think if you're the Colts, you got to be pretty happy because. Uh, only two of their seven remaining opponents have a winning record. So they are actually in a legitimate spot to make a run at the playoffs. Now, are they going to go deep in the playoffs? Probably not. No, no, no but, definitely not. But they they have a shot, especially with the record, to, to, to get to the playoffs. You know, them, the Bengals, the Texans. So, yeah, who, who knows? I, look, I think the Colts are in a pretty good spot. I think Colts and Colts fans can be pretty happy with what's happened this season because, I mean, obviously Anthony Richardson goes down early, so it could have been mm-hmm. a, a bit better of a season as it was. But you've seen what a Shane Steichen um, offense and a, and a led team is now with at the Indianapolis Colts, and I think you can be pretty okay with that going forward. It's been not too bad a year considering they're at five and five right now. And even in a game like this, their offense did look like it had some kind of excitement to it. They just couldn't get the ball uh, down into the red zone and across the line, man, John. I thought, look, this wasn't one game that I watched particularly much of as well because considering the time difference and everything, I thought I'd rather sleep in a little bit on my Monday morning. But from what I did see, though, I thought, I thought, the first drive for Indianapolis was very impressive. Uh, I thought Jonathan Taylor getting in the end zone and fourth and goal, that was a great call there by Shane Steichen. After that, it really fell off for both teams. They both had very impressive first drives. And then after that, both teams could only manage a field goal. And really, that was the whole game from where it was. I thought both quarterbacks really struggled. Unfortunately for Minshew, he also did struggle as well as Mac Jones's. I, I don't want to get into Mac too much because I always get into Mac too much, but I I, I think it's almost done for him. I mean, oh, I think it 68% is. 68% of my followers on Instagram say he's not an NFL starter, then I don't know, boys, do you guys agree? Like two-thirds? I'm sure two-thirds of people can agree that he's not a starter in the NFL anymore, and I, I definitely see it. Yeah, mate, look, I and I was going to mention that too. Of course, Manjot did put a whole bunch of questions up today at Pastry Press NFL. So as we go along, I know he'll be dropping some knowledge bombs from the listeners as we talk about some of these teams. Yeah, mate, look, I would have to agree. I, I was one of those, to be honest. He's not. A, he's done. <laughs> he's he's pretty much done. They go into the buy this week. I don't see him being coming out of that buy. Uh, the only way he does would be the stubbornness of Bill Belichick, to be honest. Um, and I can't. It's getting more and more. I can't see Bill Belichick lasting parts this this season. But it'll be it'll be crazy to see him with a different team's hoodie on. That's for sure. 
Yeah, I, 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 I think, I think it'll happen. Um, it, I don't think he'll be cut during the season, but I think it would not surprise me if he gets cut as soon as that season's over. Yeah, uh, for sure. They do not. Just while we're on um, the the future for these guys in terms of this season, uh, the Pats don't have the best run forward. They've got to play uh, Chargers, Steelers, Chiefs, Denver, who are looking very strong now, um, the Bills and the Jets, So, as well as the Giants in there, but I don't count them as anything right now. But um, they've got some very strong teams to contend with, so... They're already at two and eight. This is not going to look good for the Pats going forward. That's for sure. Uh, right, you know, moving on to probably the most exciting game of the week. The Houston Texans took on the Cincinnati Bengals in an absolute shootout. The Texans and CJ Stroud managed uh, one hell of a performance once again. CJ Stroud, 23 of 39. Another 356 yards passing and a TD as well. He got his own rushing TD, a few couple of carries and eight yards and a rushing TD in there. Devin Singletary, Singletary went off for the Houston Texans in this game, though. 30 carries, 150 yards with an average of five. He got a TD in that as well. Noah Brown receiving seven for 172 the Texans just, I don't, I don't know, it was, if you separated either of these teams and play, had them play a different team in this week, both of these teams win. But against the uh, against the Bengals, we ended up with one of those walk-off field goals right at the end. Well, you know, once what, again, man, I, I, oh, sorry. No, you're okay. You're okay, man, Uh I was just gonna say what a what a crazy crazy game, and the this this miracle storybook season for C.J. Stroud is just keeps rolling and rolling. Uh, you know, just when you thought the Bengals were bounced back and and they were gonna get on their roll, in comes the Bengals or in comes the Texans, and Texas is now they they're in a playoff spot. I mean, you know, obviously we still got seven more games to play. But they're in, a, they're in that seven seed for the the playoff spot, yep. which is absolutely ridiculous. Considering I think we all thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. Oh, for sure, they're sitting mm-hmm. at five and four right now. They're second in their division, just behind the Jags, who are six and three now after this week. Man, John, it was crazy. The Bengals didn't play badly though, not by any stretch. Ah, uh, they. Uh, they didn't, but a few mistakes, I reckon, killed them in the end, especially from Joe Burrow. Those two interceptions in the fourth quarter really yeah. made it a big hole for them to come back from. And it was it was too hard from there, really, for them. I mean, they still had some great games across the board. Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, Trenton Irwin all had great receiving games. I thought I thought Burrow really willed them back into it. I, I wrote them off. Uh, admittedly, in our text thread, I I wrote off the Bengals like four minutes to go. I thought I thought CJ Stroud had the job done, and then he threw a bad end of him by himself, which is probably his worst pass of his career, and that that is saying something. That was very rare mistake from CJ Stroud, and that let the Bengals come back, and and then Stroud he just goes on and gets his 
second game winning drive in a row. It's just incredible what this kid has done. I mean, I, I can't believe we're sitting here. The Texans are in playoff contention, honestly. And Ian, you say every team gets primetime games. The Texans were one of the few teams that didn't get a primetime yep. game this season. I reckon they should they should flex this one. They should flex this game in, if if anything, or something else in, I think, for the rest of the season. They should flex them into primetime because they deserve it. This team is just incredible to watch with CJ Stroud. I did poll my viewers again. I did want to bring up one of the polls. 63% of people say CJ Stroud is a genuine MVP candidate. And I have to agree with that. I think if the Texans even make the playoffs, CJ Stroud should be MVP. And that is that is my take. I think even with a playoff berth, like even if they don't win a playoff game, I know it's a regular season award, so playoff wins doesn't matter. But I, I don't care how far they get into the playoffs. Like if they just make the playoffs themselves, CJ Stroud should win MVP and he'll become the first rookie since Jim Brown, who's the only rookie to ever win it in 1957. So I, I really hope that CJ Stroud wins it. I think it's genuinely a guy who deserves it, especially a rookie doing all of this. He's looking like one of the best QBs already, guys. Completely agree. He is definitely uh, way up there in the MVP conversation. Um, and the the game uh, next week uh, in week 12 against Jacksonville, so Jacksonville and Texans, is going to be a hotly anticipated game. And, man, Joe, I, I reckon they, they start spending some flex somewhere along here to get the Texans 100%. on to prime time. I They will do it. The NFL will see this. Uh, and then they will start doing it. And I, w- I wonder whether that might be one of them. I haven't really looked at what the Week 12 schedule is to see if there's any uh, no, any, any mid-games yeah, on, on, on some of those uh, some of those games at the moment, like some of those primetime ones. There might be. Uh, we can't flex into Thursdays. Oh, this that's right. That's where we start. Uh, Chargers-Ravens getting... is the Sunday night game. So I, I highly doubt they'd flex that out with how well, good both those teams are. I forgot that Week 12 is actually our, our very first Black Friday game as well. That's the um, that's mm. that that's that week. So, uh, yeah, Sunday night's hard to do. But it could be Chargers-Ravens. And I, I really doubt, well, it depends with Bears and Vikings, what happens with the Vikings. But, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't hate that being flexed out only for the fact that I won't get to watch the Vikings without being up at a ridiculous hour of the morning. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Vikings, who welcomed in the Saints to Minnesota. And, of course, Josh Jobs was starting for this game after a hell of a showing last week in Week 9 and getting that win. Uh, Jaron Hall was still... Oh, he's out of the concussion protocol, but the only within a day of the game. So the Vikings decided to make sure that they they rest him uh, for the game, which is very very wise, uh, especially with a rookie QB who does actually show some promise. But Josh Dobbs came in once again, and the Vikings were up early against the Saints. And you know, like I've, I guess. Week after week, I've been amazed by the Terminator that is Derek Carr. Yeah. But unfortunately, someone, uh, someone, I think Sarah Connor came for the Terminator in this game. And uh, Sarah Connor here was actually Josh Dobbs 
and the Vikings, or rather, was a bit more like uh, Harrison Harrison Smith, Harrison Phillips, Jordan Hicks, Ivan Pace Jr. How many more of these defensive players for the Vikings can I name who really got on the Saints case and dominated the Saints offensive line? This is one of the, the better or the more consistent offenses in the league coming into this game. And the Vikings managed to really stifle anything that they tried to get going on the on the ground. Only 65 yards total rushing offense and only 230 uh, through the passing game. And the, the Vikings got a bag of points in the first half and managed to just hold on for the win, 27 to 19. Five wins in a row for the Vikings now. That's that's insane when you think about that. Five wins in a row. We were three and zero oh after week three. Yeah, that's just that that's just that is crazy. Uh, especially the way they've done it. I think that's the impressive part. The fact that Dobbs has come in. You know what has he been with the team now? Ten days. You know it's just it's abs won two games. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, I still worry about the their run game. Um, the Vikings run game. Um, well, it's basically dead now, mate. Uh, yeah. yeah. Ty, it was it was nice to see Ty Chandler get a bit of a run in this game, and he had to after uh, Madison went out with a concussion midway mm. through the game. Um, so, yeah, that it's uh, it's interesting. <laughs> well, and, and then I on the Saints side of the thing, you know, I think it was last week we started talking about how how great the coaches were doing at utilizing Taysom Hill. And then, so what, what happens this week? They just completely, he's, he's invisible. Um, so I, I don't know. He had one carry for six yards, no passing attempt, two receptions. So they, they've either he's hurt or they've just decided not to go a different route. So some, not. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with them. So uh, the Saints got to figure it out, and more and more, it's looking like they're just they're just a mediocre team at best. Yeah, Manjot, yeah. Uh Derek Carr could get nothing going, and he ended up with 110 yards in this after he got injured, his right shoulder and and a concussion as well. He went out, and I mean. You can imagine me, Manjot. I had Jameis yeah. Winston versus Josh Dobbs in a game and Josh Dobbs wearing purple. Jameis Winston came <laughs> in, though, and he did what Derek Carr hadn't been able to do for the pretty much the entirety of the game up to that point, and he threw some stellar passes and a couple of TDs pretty much straight away. Yeah, it was a typical Jameis game, wasn't it, guys? Oh, I yeah. Mean- yeah, the two touchdowns, and then there's the two interceptions as well. I mean, he was living – I said it to you boys at the t- time, right? He lives and dies by the deep ball. Those two interceptions at the end, he just threw it deep. He's like, oh, I'll just go for Lave deep, and then he throws a pick every time, and it's just like, oh, boy. But the two touchdowns were incredibly amazing. I mean, the That's... one to Olave, what a catch by Olave, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's got to be one of the plays of the week for sure. It's one of the best catches I think we'll see all year as well. Alave is a very special talent that they have to use a bit more, I reckon. I think Jameis was finding Alave a lot more than Derek Carr was throughout this game. And it shows that if Jameis is the starter moving forward, depending on the severity of Carr's injury, then I think that's 
a good sign for Olave. I think Olave will really break out again and really become that sort of deep receiving option that he's always wanting to be. But honestly, man, Ian, I, I love this Josh Dobbs guy, man. I mean, he's one of the best competitors out there. The pastronaut, as they like to call him, he's he's just amazing. Just makes everything going. And also, shout out to one of my boys out there, TJ Hawkinson. 11 catches, 134 yards and a touchdown. In a time where finding a tight end in fantasy football is just an absolute nightmare in the best of weeks. Having TJ Hawkinson on one of my most important fantasy football teams is one of the best things that could ever have happened. TJ TJ was injured in this game too. He had a, a rib cartilage injury coming in and basically just monstered his way through the game, took some big shots constantly to the ribs. Oh, and I saw you could him tell, bend in half, right? Yeah, and then every time he hit the ground, uh, like you could feel the pain through the TV. It was mm. It was just nuts trying to watch it. Um, but he's such a warrior. What a, I mean, he is, he is a literal Viking, I think. You just look at the guy and you look at the way he carries himself and then watch the way he played in this game. Um, insane. Mate, I'm, I'm in love with Josh Dobbs as well. And looking up his stats uh, as, as it had been, it's interesting to note just how much he had um, when he was at Arizona as well, because he is now already on just under 2,000 yards uh, and 11 TDs for the season. So it's, it's not doesn't make a great QBR rating, but considering the guy was basically just supposed to be a placeholder at Arizona for them to hit the bottom, um, here he is with 2,000 yards now and on the Vikings and possibly in a playoff spot. That's going to be interesting for, for Dobbs going forward. Well, let's go to the another NFC North team. The Packers took on the Steelers. And the Packers, for so long through this game, looked like they should have been coming out on top, but really couldn't get out of their own way. Jordan Love probably had one of the the better games I've seen him play this season, but his, his receivers and the, the other players on the Packers, again, just did not show up for Jordan Love. Unfortunately, so he finished with 21 to 40 and 289 yards, a couple of interceptions in that as well. And they were beaten just 23 to 19 by the Pittsburgh Steelers, who constantly managed to find a way to win games that they should, they have no business at all being in. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know what you know, what Mike Tomlin did to deserve this kind of karma, but the dude is just unreal the way he can get his teams to win these ugly games. So even when Kenny Pickett is just looking like trash, um, you know, that guy just has not improved at all. Uh, But credit to the run game uh, for the Steelers. They just, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren just pounding it out. So um, it's pretty impressive what they're doing, all things considered. But I, you're, you mentioned it the, about Love and his receivers. You know, uh, Love has thrown 10 picks this season. Five of them have been while he's targeting Watson. Mm. That, that should not be the case. Your number one receiver and, and your quarterback, you got to get on the same page. And so they they've got to figure something out in, in there because they're they're kind of wasting Watson in my opinion. 
There was a couple here actually today, which were um, I think that Watson one was actually off his hands as well. Okay, okay. And, and it's that's that's been the tail of the tape, and that happened a lot in this game. Is the receivers were actually getting hands to balls that they should have been catching, um, mm. and they just weren't. So it's not. All of the Packers' woes at three and six now aren't on Jordan Love's shoulders. Right. In a way, because he is the QB, they do all fall on his shoulders and he's likely to be the first one to, to really feel the wrath of that um, because people are just – I think people in Green Bay are just over it already. They're already asking for something different because they've been spoiled for 30-odd yeah. years. Yeah, they have yeah. no patience. Yeah. Exactly. They have no patience. Just some wild stats, by the way, on the Pittsburgh side. So Kenny Pickett, in his career, he has had 13 wins, 13 passing touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. And he was also the 13th-ranked prospect in his state's class as well, <laughs> it, coming out of high school. This is from CBS Sports. So it was just some weird number 13 thing going on with Kenny Pickett at the moment. And also, just want to highlight that last play of the game because I was reading a lot about that today. Minka Fitzpatrick, he did not like the play call from his defensive coordinator. And a lot of the time, right, we always like to say the players should listen to their coach. They should have a good re- relationship with the coach where they trust everything like their coach does. But what Minkin Fitzpatrick did was he forced his defensive coordinator to take a timeout because he hated that play call so much that he just did not want that to happen. And then they audibled it to a play call that Minka liked, and then they got the game-winning interception. So I wanted to just highlight that because a lot of the time we'd be going on to a play and we'd be like, oh, he's such a diva for asking about that. And, oh, my God, he's such a, you know, yeah, you know, the diva sort of thing. But really... I think that highlights that Minka Fitzpatrick, out of a lot of people on this defense, he is one of the best football IQs in the entire league. And there's a lot of people on this defense that can be in that sort of conversation as well. But Minka's really a leader in that locker room. And I think that play really showed that. And I think that's a really big hats off there to Minka Fitzpatrick just for having the awareness to know, hey, this wasn't going to work. We're going to get our defensive coordinator to change it, and then it works, and then we win the game. Hmm. Hmm. Yep, for sure. Righto, well, let's move to Tampa Bay and the Tennessee Titans. The Buccaneers absolutely, and Baker Mayfield, again, wiped the floor with the Tennessee Titans this week, beating them 20-6. to Will Levis in only his third start in the NFL uh, seems to have really come back down from that initial high in the first game against Atlanta, where he threw four touchdowns. Hasn't had a touchdown throw since then, and two uh, heavy-ish losses to two teams that they probably should have been able to at least compete against a bit differently. Weirdly for the Tennessee, hardly any rushing, whereas the Tampa Bay guys, Mike Evans, halfway through the game, actually. He was really on himself for for missing a lot of a lot of the targets that he had. He had 10 targets, 143 yards. He missed a couple. There was one where you saw him on the sideline after he missed a throw from Baker where he was getting on himself. He was throwing helmets and he was sitting down and you could tell he was having some pretty hard words out loud to himself 
And he came back on the field after that and really just started pushing the envelope, got a TD, caught a TD pass, ended up with that 143 yards and really helped propel Tampa Bay to a win here over the Titans. The Bucks are now at four and five, sitting second behind the Saints, who are five and five in the NFC South. What a dumpster fire that division is. Yep. <laughs> I, don't know, know, I don't know what I, more you can say. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope I hope the division winner has a losing record, you know? And it's just just how comical that that division is. So it, hats off to the Bucks and their defense. They, you know, they got after Will Levis. They finally showed uh, they they rebounded from the debacle with C.J. Stroud last week, and they really held Derrick Henry uh, to just what twenty four yards. So you know, hats off to them not giving up a score as well. But they're not the Bucks are not going to do anything unless they improve that run game. Uh, you know, Rashad White he had that big catch and he uh, run for the touchdown. But they just could not get the their run game going either. So and the temp, the Titans they just look pathetic. So uh, I think you know they're going to be competing uh, for for the bottom of the of the league as well and and draft picks. It's it's pretty bad where they're at. Yeah, the Tampa Bay Tampa Bay got to do it the hard way this coming week though because they are up against the 49ers and. Um, as good as they did here against against the Titans rushing and keeping King Derrick Henry uh, to just 24 yards, they're going to have to probably double that effort to be able to keep the 49ers run game to a similar kind of stat line. So it's going to be a, a hard slog for them in the next couple of weeks because they will have San Francisco and I don't see them getting much going on against the Colts uh, either. So it'll be interesting. All right, let's move on to the next one. Speaking of the 49ers, hey. Brock Purdy and the 49ers are all the way back. And speaking of the 49ers defense, this game had the 49ers defense looking like that 49ers defense that went 6-0 and earlier in the season where we said this is, this is the Super Bowl team. Nobody can beat them here. And of course, they went into their bye week with three very big shock losses uh, against teams that they probably should have totally dominated on both sides of the ball, and obviously had some um, had some fun times during that bye week and got bye week and got back together as a team. Of course, some of the big things here, Manjot, they got Trent Williams and Debo Samuel back on the field, and the 49ers just look completely different when those two players are on the field in front of Brock Purdy? A hundred percent. Those two are very important to the team. I think it's not just how good they are as players, but the energy they bring. They bring this real hard-nosed energy to the team that I love. And I think it was very good to see them back on the field. And honestly, Brock Purdy, I just need to start with him, man. I mean, just watching this kid, a lot of people tell me he's a system quarterback, this, that. He's not elite. It's all that bullshit, they tell me, honestly. I, I completely disagree. If you watch this game, you'll see how great Brock Purdy is when he's on. I mean, even in that losing streak, he kept us competitive in a lot of those games. But 
this game, when the 49ers finally could get everyone back, he was just really showing off. In a game where somehow Christian McCaffrey did not get a touchdown, Brock Purdy threw three of them. His first one to Brandon Ayuk, he rolls all the way out to the left, and he's just frozen the end zone, the back of the end zone. Four players are there, two Niners, two Jaguars, and he throws it only where Brandon Ayuk can get it, and Ayuk just caught it in the back of the end zone. That is an elite-level throw, let me tell you. If Patrick Mahomes did that throw, if Josh Allen did that throw, you'd be sitting down Sports Center every every single day, honestly, for the next week. That is that's what I gotta say about that throw. But then what was even better was his touchdown to Kittle, where he just threw it oh, with essentially Kittle. all the pressure in the world. And then sixty six yards later, Kittle's in the he end. Find, he finds Kittle on a on a wheel route route completely by himself. Like Kittle, yeah. Kittle literally walked into that end zone. Like it's just yeah. he, he Can't uh, put a linebacker on him. <laughs> he didn't even he didn't even run in. He by that point he was just he skipped a few times and walked. Oh man, it was it was a great touchdown to see. I really enjoyed it. Just I was like I knew he was in with like thirty yards to go because the linebacker fell down. There's no one there, and Kittle just walked in. It was crazy. I mean, had a similar feeling when Ambry Thomas got that fumble recovery on defense, and which with the touchdown that didn't count because a few of the players started running on the field. But apart from that, the defense was just incredible. They're back to their best, as I said. As I said, one of my best calls of all time, I reckon, was get Steve Wilkes on the sideline. They got Steve Wilkes on the sideline. He was able to communicate with his players better. At least that's what Fred Warner said. The communication was better. The play calls were coming in better. And that really showed the defense came through. Having Chase Young and Nick Bose in the same defensive line as well, that really helps. And Honestly, man, I- I'm glad. I'm just glad we won this game because I-, I wouldn't be able to hear the end of it if Maddie had had been on the other side of this one. But shout out to Maddie; he has to deal with me for the rest of the week. <laughs> he does definitely have to deal with you for the rest of the week, mate. I-, I don't want to completely start the same argument you had with Maddie in our text thread because it just it bores me to death. But there are a few good things that were brought up and has been brought up around the league after this. Um, after this game, and they mainly all revolve around Trevor Lawrence. Brad, um, I don't know how much of the game you you watched or how much you've seen on socials afterwards, but there has been a lot of talk about the fact that Trevor Lawrence, we were all told, was a generational talent, and yet we, here we are a few seasons down the track, and we, we sort of have to have a bit of a conversation as, of has he lived up to the expectations of that first overall pick in the draft. Um. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent for quarterbacks and patients, So I think it's still too early, but you're right. The trend is not good. Um, especially considering the expectations, you know, um, touchdown Jesus is, is not even looking like a, a prophet, so let alone Jesus. It's just <laughs> well, he's only got nine touchdowns for the season so far. Yeah, yeah, right, ex- exactly. So um, Baker Mayfield has more. Yeah, yeah, right, right, exactly. So Listen. now, to to his credit, to to his credit, the offensive line has not been that good this season, but still, second season with Doug Peterson, and Peterson himself said. 
he wants to average about seven more points a game, and they're definitely way, way away from that. They just go through these big lulls uh, in the middle of the game where they just can't do anything. And then all of a sudden they'll get in a groove and do these big plays, but you're not a legitimate contender if your offense kind of sputters like that. And Mm -hmm. the way, the way Texas is rolling, uh, I could see them pulling this out. I mean, that would be a complete shock to me. I'm, uh, I'm still, I I think the Jaguars are going to win the division. Um, but the way Houston's going, you you just never know. No, no, that's why I said that um, that week twelve matchup is going to be uh, yeah. a, a pretty big one. So, yeah, it's not all on him, but it is. You do just have to have that start having that conversation, that thought pattern of um, what's what is going on with him. Is it something to do with the way the coaching is? Um, is it a different play style they're trying to use? Because it's not like there's a lot of rushing TDs happening for the Jags either. They are scoring yeah. points. They're scoring points every week, um, and but just just not um, just not in a in, in a usual way or the way that you would think would be happening with a talent like Trevor Lawrence there. Mm. All right, let's talk about a, another insanely talented quarterback who came up against one of the most hated quarterbacks in the league this week. And I am, of course, talking about the Ravens versus the Cleveland <laughs> Browns. What a game this was. This turned out into turns out to be a, a absolute shootout. The Browns coming off with a walk-off field goal win, 33-31, to 31, um, with one of the most insane endings to a game. Um, I think I've I've witnessed in at least a good couple of years. Lamar Jackson, though, really dominated everywhere on offense against the, the Cleveland Browns defense. It definitely wasn't the usual Cleveland Browns defense that he was coming up against, Manjot. Not the one that we've been used to seeing, the hard-nosed, tough, don't-give-away-points defense that we've been used to seeing for the season so far. Lamar and the the rest of the Ravens seem to just be able to score against him, against them, yeah. even. Yeah, they scored in the first play of the game, a pick six, and just it looked like the Ravens would have the lead for most of it. They were up two scores for a lot of the game, thanks to that pick six. And because the Browns kept coming back, kept coming back, and then Lamar just, one of his passes gets bat- batted up in the air by a defensive lineman, and then... Then it gets picked off by Newsom, and Newsom returns it all the way for touchdown. And that's when it started to unravel for the Ravens. They were just on such a high most of the game. And then suddenly the Browns are within one point after the missed extra point. And it was something that really I thought, oh, man, this is not going to go well for the Ravens because they're so prone to losing games like this for some reason. They... They really do have a few of these collapses every season. We already saw it this year with the Colts game. And now this Browns game, man, it, it was rough watching the Ravens there. Now, I know people will blame Lamar. I know Lamar didn't have the best stats and everything. But I don't think he's all to blame. I think the Ravens' defense as well. They've also been pretty elite this year. They couldn't, they couldn't hold on in this game against the Browns. I thought... I thought the Ravens, like, they, they did well for about 
90% of the game, but the Browns came back when it mattered most, I thought. And I think when you look at it, I think the Browns are a pretty elite team at the moment, and it's so hard to go up against them. Their defense just keeps them in every single game, no matter what. And even when their offense isn't firing, the defense finds a spark, and they're automatically back in the game. Yeah, I think it's just it's unfortunate uh, with the the injuries that came that came out of this game, and especially when uh, was it is it Humphreys who went out? Yeah, uh, yeah and Staley. Um, so those are some that's some huge huge injuries. And I know when Humphreys went out, all of a sudden, then uh, you know, he Deshaun Watson went on a tear. So I think he completed all of his passes after Humphreys went out. So it's a it's a pretty stel- telling statistic. And on the on the Brown side, you know, they lost uh, Denzel Ward and and Juan Thor- Thornhill Thornhill uh, to their safety. So that secondary, if they don't get healthy, they're going to be hurting as well. So it, I just hope you you hate to see teams lose it because of injury, but again, that's just part of the NFL and you got to have depth to, to make a run. Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned the, the ending to this game, the whole second half was basically insanity the way it went. The Ravens were up 24 to nine early in the third quarter Mm. for the, Browns ended up with a touchdown, then forced the Ravens to punt on a on a three and out. Uh, then the Ravens get a touchdown to go thirty one to seventeen, so they were well ahead, and that's the early in the fourth quarter. Browns come back with a touchdown, then they get an interception touchdown, only a couple of plays into the uh just after the kickoff from their original touchdown to bring it back to 31-30 to the Ravens force the Ravens to punt and then go 12 plays 58 yards down the field the Browns went to set themselves up for a uh a walk-off field goal um so it was just uh an insane ending it just it didn't it shouldn't have happened that way <laughs> to be honest the Ravens really just sort of as Manjot said, let it go late in the game. So, yeah. uh, all right, move on. Another close one between two teams. We probably wouldn't have expected to be to score this many points this week. And the Falcons and the Cardinals made for a interesting game. Kyler Murray was back for the Cardinals, and Kyler Murray did some crazy Kyler Murray things to help the Cardinals get. Just their second win of the season, 25 to 23 over the Atlanta Falcons. Manjot, um, we'll get to Kyler in Arizona. Do you think uh, the Falcons here are going into a bye? I'm pretty sure this might be the last we've seen of Heineke uh, on the field for the Falcons. I reckon they stick with Ritter from here on out. Oh, it's, it's horrible. I mean, from Heineke is just really bad. His performance this game, I mean, eight for 15, 55 yards. Yes, he had a touchdown, but still, 
those numbers are not really that great at all. That's four yards in attempt, under four yards in attempt, mm. shall I say. That is really awful numbers. That shows that you're not even trying really to hit your deep passes or you may be connected or one deep pass, but that's about it. Like that is really showing at least this game. I will have to say Arthur Smith, at least he gave the ball to B. John Robinson 22 times and he got yeah. 95 yards and a touchdown, which is pretty good numbers. I will have to say, I think that's a good sign for them. That really shows. And as well, that B. John outperformed Algier to such a level that he is a clear running back one. And Arthur Smith should really see that. I mean, we're just about to talk about another rookie running back in the next game, I'm pretty sure, that's coming up. So, really, and get his first-round rookie running back more of the carries. That's what I think about this Falcons team, honestly. I think Ritter probably starts from next week. I do agree with that, Ian. But either way, they're, they're not in a good situation at quarterback. Brad, the Cardinals. Kyler Murray yeah. back. Do you think that they just keep plowing on here or is this definitely the Kyler Murray audition tape? Well, I, I think this last game was the Kyler Murray audition tape. And if I'm the brass uh, for the front office for the Cardinals, I say, look, we've shown that he's come back. He had his Kyler magic, and then I shut him down. I, I don't want that guy playing because they're going to win a couple more games if they do, and that's not going to help you. You want draft picks. You do not want wins if you're the Cardinals. So, I know. Do you roll him out against Houston this week? No, no. But <laughs> but but they're going to. I guarantee it. They yeah. are going to. So, they, are, they are definitely going to be their own worst enemy here, aren't they? Isn't Absolutely. that interesting? Oh. Yeah, isn't that interesting? They have Houston's pick as well, and they're playing them this week. Just wanted yeah. to say, so Houston already played themselves out of helping Arizona, so now Arizona has to help themselves by benching Kyla, which I do agree with Brad there. It, it, yeah. They definitely have to. It was pretty funny just, just noticing as well with the Cardinals. Their two touchdowns came from both their quarterbacks running them in. At the goal line as well. That was that's such a funny stat to look at as well. Clayton Tune still getting a touchdown, even though he got benched. Yeah, it, it's just yeah, it's just crazy. So I mean, you could get a couple first round picks for Kyler easily. So uh, you know, lose and get rid of them. That's what that's what I would do. Uh, and I agree with you guys with the Falcons. I, I just have to to mention it because the Falcons. But uh, they shouldn't have started Heineke anyway. I said that from the get-go. Just stick with Ritter. He's young. You knew Heineke was going to suck it up uh, eventually. So I think they're just idiots, and they're getting what they deserve for doing stuff like that. Get rid of Arthur Smith. I think he's mishandled this whole Falcons team. Yeah, I have to agree, too. He definitely needs to be on the hot seat for, for what's going on. Um, they they held a way more promise. They didn't hold a lot, a whole lot of promise, but way more than the four and six record that they've got. And they've been in so many games, and they yeah. just misused their assets. And then where the hell is the Atlanta receiving call? They had ninety four total yards receiving in this game. Yeah, it yeah. is woeful. So I mean, if if I'm Atlanta, uh, the uh, the perfect fit for their uh, team, go after Kyler Murray. 
I do like that, Brad. I love that call. But they can't they can't do it with they can't do it with Arthur Smith though, because it'll just be mishandled. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, hundred percent. Yeah, it'd just be terrible. Let's move on. Lions charges in another big scoring close game. The charges looked like they could have won this game at so many points, but the Detroit Lions and Jared Goff were having a day. Goff was amazing in this game, and the uh, the Lions really trusted themselves and trusted their offense so much so that at one point Dan Campbell went for a fourth and three, where most people expected that he should have just kicked the field goal, but he knew that his defense on the day wasn't performing to their best and giving Justin Herbert and the Chargers the ball back with about a minute and a half probably would have turned this game on its head in the complete opposite direction. They went up for it on fourth and three and ended up setting up uh, a great play. Goff to Sam Laporta, who once again had a ridiculous game. Uh, Not a lot of yards, but just the way he played and around that, Mm -hmm. that was really good. Manjot, your boy, the sun god, Amon Ra St. Brown, (laughs) he was back. Eight receptions for 156 yards and a TD. Yeah, insanity. Th- those numbers were, were crazy. I thought he was just all over the field, really. And he could take a screen pass, a million yards for touchdown, or he could catch a deep ball. He was just everywhere against that charge of secondary. And really, I think more so than the passing game, Ian, is the running game for the Lions. They were Absolutely. a lot better in the passing game, I think, t- this this week. I thought even though the passing game got more numbers, I think that the rushing game really set up the win. David Montgomery, 12 carries, 116 yards and a touchdown. Jameer Gibbs, 14 carries, 77 yards and two touchdowns. When you have two running backs on form just like that, really... There is no match for that in terms of excellence. Even today in a passing league, there is such a great premium on great running game. And I think 100%, when you have two great running backs back there, it's incredible. I watched one clip as well that really showed how great this line's offensive line is. It was a fourth and one, and Montgomery got the ball, and he got first down with ease. You know why? Because the Lions' offensive line was pushing that Chargers' D-line back at least three or four yards. And he that's why he got about eight yards on that play, because he automatically gets four yards behind his offensive line, and then he just has to make it past the D-line for an extra four yards. That just shows how tough this team is. That just shows how amazing the Lions are. And really, they do also come up on the short end of games like this, just like the Chargers do. But on this occasion, the Lions stepped up, and that fourth down play really set it up. Dan Campbell deserves a lot of credit for going for it. A lot of people would have kicked the field goal, let Herbert go up and have to tie the game or win the game for the Chargers. But then Dan Campbell was like, okay, I'll just trust my offense. And it was a great call in the end. Tough luck for the Chargers. I thought they also deserved to win. I don't think either team deserved to lose this one. Yeah, Justin Herbert was incredible. Four touchdowns himself. It was a great quarterback duel. Great running back duel. I thought Austin Eckler had a great game as well. Just great offense. I loved it, man. I wish this was in prime time or something. Yeah, right. it, I, 
I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. It was uh, an epic offensive battle. The I was really surprised at how how well Detroit ran the ball, considering the Chargers coming into this had had a, a really good run defense. Their defense overall has been pretty inconsistent, but their run defense was was pretty decent this this season. But they just got gashed left and right. So it was a a really really fun game to to watch. And you mentioned it. With Herbert, I was I love to see him bounce back from last week's where he had just a, a really crummy game. So to and some I don't know if you guys saw, but some of those throws were just on a dime, and they were absolutely sick. Uh, some of those throws that he was putting in between de- defenders and with the velocity and his platform was not good, but it was just pure, you know, hero ball is, is what they call it, where he's just, he's being a hero. He's being, he's being Josh Allen, but you know, uh, a little bit better version of him this year. So it's just, it's, it was a fun, fun game to watch. See what the, um, the two, the two schedules for these two teams coming up couldn't be any more different. Uh, the Chargers have over the next few weeks, Green Bay, Baltimore, the Pats, Denver, Raiders. You know, they're, they're, they're all games that they should win, but except for maybe the Ravens game. But they're games that I feel like they'll, they'll own a couple of them there, that they'll manage to find a way to only just be in them. The Lions, on the other hand, seem to have they are now at seven and two in the NFC North, and they seem to have one of the most ridiculous schedules considering where they're where they're at and how they're playing. They got the Bears, Green Bay, Saints, the Bears again, Denver, before coming up against the Vikings, who are second in that division right now, and finished finishing with the Dallas and the Vikings again. It is the Lions are gonna be at thirteen wins, easily fourteen maybe before they come up against Minnesota uh, late in the season. Mm, mm, good points. Yeah, 100% agree. I think they they definitely deserve to be a top three team in the NFC as well. They're just so well built across the board. And if my Niners weren't in contention, I, I really would hope the Lions win against the Eagles. I, I just really love this team, honestly. Well, Manjot, I don't know how you're going to survive if it's a Lions 49ers championship game. Oh, no. I, <laughs> I, I could not go against Dan Campbell. Honestly, I love the guy too much. Oh, yeah, I just... can't go against Goff. I've, I've loved Goff ever since he's gone into Detroit. I I just couldn't I couldn't go against him. It hurt my heart too much, boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Brad, the... Dallas Cowboys, Dem boys are now fourteen and zero over the last fourteen games at home in Dallas. Four nil this season alone takes them to six and three after beating the woeful, woeful New York Giants, who were led by Tommy DeVito. Again in this game, uh, Dak Prescott though, four hundred yards, he threw four and four TDs. And of course, the the two men, C.D. Lamb, once again, 151 yards. He is, I think, over the last probably four weeks, I would say, at, at a minimum, he has been the wide receiver of the league. But, of course, Brandon Cook stood up in this one as well, nine receptions for 173 yards for the Cowboys. Brad, what a game for the Cowboys. 
Oh, for for the Cowboys, it, it was great. Um, well, for the Giants, it's definitely not. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Captain Obvious over here. Yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> exactly. uh, you know, I think, unfortunately, I think this was, uh, you know, it was just as much of an indictment on the Giants and how woeful they're playing right now. And they, you see them on the sidelines. They look like they're imploding as a team as well. So, yeah, which you hate to see. Um, and I just, I, at least I hate to see that unless it was the 49ers, then it wouldn't bother me, but it's, it's just, you know, I, I was really, really happy for the Cowboys that they could, um, obviously not let the, the last week kind of get to them, um, with the loss to the Eagles. So hats off to them for bouncing back. This was kind of a get-right game. It was fun to see the run game get a little bit more back on track. Rico Dowdle actually looked decent um, for the Cowboys, so hopefully they can get that run game going. Because again, if they're going to make a run, they have to. Um, so, and unfortunately, the red zone offense is still not really clicking. They they did all right, but they still got some issues there. I really hope the, the Giants can. Uh, figure it out because I, I do like Dable, Brian Dable, the coach, uh, but he's got a tall order and there's there's nothing that he can do with DeVito. I'm sorry. It's just it's not going to happen. I, I think I think he probably knows that, Brad. To be honest. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's where I think the players also have to have a realistic expectation but you're you're a professional player you're ultra competitive so i i get why they're frustrated yeah they've really crashed uh, this year the giants i mean last year they completely overachieved and this year they're just nowhere near it unfortunately for them they're just really it's a really tough tough team to watch every single week to be honest and uh, watching their O-line especially, that's where the problems of offense start. They can barely get anything going, even for a guy like Saquon Barkley, who's amazing at running back. They can't get him going in the run game half the time. Even though this game is pretty decent with his averages and everything, well, it wasn't going to matter when you're down like 28 points because you can't use your run game at that point. You're automatically in chasing mode with the pass game. And that's where you need a quarterback, unfortunately, for the Giants. And really, Tommy DeVito isn't it. But I feel like Dak Prescott, man, it's it's hard to really gauge where people think of his performance at the moment. Because I did poll my followers on this, and 86% of them don't think he's elite. At the moment, which I actually disagree with. I actually think Dak Prescott is one of the better quarterbacks in the league and probably does belong in the elite category of quarterbacks. And I think with the last few weeks, he has thrown four touchdowns, three touchdowns, and then another four touchdown game this week in the last three. It's just been incredible what a run he has been on. And I think really, when you look at him, he's just really finding some form and even showing up against the good teams as well as the bad teams. And I think really this midseason run from Dak is coming up at a good time. We just have to see if he can do it sort of towards the end of the season or in the playoffs as well. And I think with 
the Cowboys starting to find a bit of form and the Eagles having a tough run, this is the perfect time for the Cowboys to stamp their authority and try and take back that division from the Eagles. Preach. You go. Totally agree, man. Totally agree. All right, let's move on to another close game for the week. There were quite a few this weekend. Uh, Seattle Seahawks and the Washington Commanders. The Seahawks, after a woeful performance last week, managed to find something extra this week. Geno Smith threw for over 300 yards and two TDs. Uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett both getting just under the ton to to help the Seahawks get over the line against the Washington Commanders, 29 to 26. The Washington Commanders, however, I think, in my opinion, have definitely found their QB of the future. Sam Howe played exceptionally well in this game, 29 of 44, 300 yards, three TDs. They've managed to figure out how not to get him sacked on every single play, which is amazing. So the Commanders seem to have found something going on in their offensive line uh, to, I don't know, help their young QB to actually succeed. Brian Robinson Jr. ended up with 119 yards and a TD for the commanders here. And I am surprised there was actually some defense in this game despite the scoreline. And I'm pleasantly surprised that the Washington defense continues to stand up despite being big sellers at the trade deadline. Well, I think, you know, with with Washington, they've invested so much in that defensive line because they had, I think it was four years in a row where they selected a defensive lineman in the first round. So it's young and, and uh, what's his name? They get sweat. They got all the publicity, um, but their their D-line is still decent. But on the whole their their defense is not good and i agree with you and sam howell is the quarterback of the future for these guys hats off to seattle and getting the running game kenny kenny walker had a really good game and the key is again I, we've been saying it Geno smith and turnovers he didn't have any turnovers and guess what? They win the game, uh, you know. So it's all comes down to quarterback and the turnovers with when it comes to Geno Smith. So hats off to them though, pulling off a a, a win because because it's it's uh, it was really important for them going forward. Yeah, and Geno once again gets it done in the clutch as well, leading his team down for another game winning drive, just like he did last week. And I think that's really important for Seattle at the moment. And sorry, the week before, not last week, but the week before against the Browns, he had the game-winning drive. And I think with Gino, really, he's hitting his stride a little bit. He's had he had a very slow start in this game, but towards the end, he started heating up, and that's what really got Seattle over the line. I thought the Commanders would come in and deliver the upset after that great start. And how he's really got something going out there. And I, I do agree. I do see signs of a franchise quarterback in how, even though, you know, you look at him and it's like, yeah, he's not really that elite and everything, but I think he's still got a good connection with his receivers. And I think he's still got enough in his arsenal to really bring some game winning plays. And he's able to spread the ball out a lot. 
and really just get every receiver involved in the entire receiving course. So I think I think the commanders have something with Sam Howell, but yeah, it's going to be interesting down the stretch what happens with him. Mm. Seahawks are keeping even pace with the 49ers in the NFC West, Manjot, and it all yeah. comes to a head in Week 12 as, again. Uh, week 12 and Week 14 is really going to sort out that division. Yep, Thanksgiving, man. I cannot wait. Going to be a big, big game. Righto, final game for Sunday football for Week 10 was the Las Vegas Raiders at home against the New York Jets. The Raiders and Aidan O'Connell, uh, second showing out here for their interim head coach, Pierce. Uh, and the Raiders came out with the same moxie, I think, that they showed last week. Josh Jacobs had a massive game, 116 yards and 27 carries, and it was great to see him all the way back. The other thing that was great to see was Devontae Adams getting a good chunk of, of passing yards, uh, receiving yards. So that was great. They ended up beating the Jets 16-12. to 12. The game, however, Manjot, was largely a snooze fest thanks to the New York Jets, but it wasn't because of Zach Wilson, who played a pretty good game in this game. It was mostly because the Jets have decided that they don't need to always rush the ball, or rush the ball, or some of the receivers decide that they need to get in the way of each other and spoil comeback wins. Oh, man. Yeah, that last play, I almost had it there, I think. But really... That entire offense is just horrendous, I think. And as much as you like to say Zach Wilson had a pretty good game, Ian, I, I do have to disagree. I, oh, I he did. He, had... he did, man, John. He had the I, best I game he's had he... all season. So you got to yeah, calm okay, down with the Zach Wilson hate. That no. is a pretty low standard. Let Let's me be calm it. It's 23 or 39 and 263. <laughs> I can go and check the tape on the other game if you'd like. Okay, I mean, but the stat, look, stat was he did play pretty well. And if you look uh, at the actual what happened with his receivers, they were garbage because he's only got fucking one of them in Garrett Wilson. So yeah, I, mean, say, I mean, they were pretty bad. But let, let me just say, I mean. The, the Jets destroyed the, themselves by going out and signing all of these old receiver assets for Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers isn't there. So they can't play with anybody else. Yeah, well, it's been forever since they've actually scored like a touchdown as well. They, they've really struggled. It's a second game in a row where they haven't scored a touchdown and both have been on national TV. And it's really hard to watch the Jets at the moment. They're not oh, a yeah. great team. Oh, like, that offense is horrendous. And I think it would be a lot better with Aaron Rodgers by far. I mean, Rodgers would be leading this team down the field. The sooner he can come back, oh, man, the better. I, you know what? I don't know if it would be. The, the problem with watching this offense right now is that it should be functional in at least one way. You would think that, that rushing, it would be highly functional. There'd be a lot of, right now, like Zach Wilson can't pass, you know, he can't do it and the receivers aren't doing it. So let's lean on Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. But again, it's 28 and 26 yards respectively. Zach Wilson had more rushing yards than the two of them. It's, yeah, I, it's... it's, I don't think, I don't know whether it would have been better with Aaron Rodgers. I wonder whether it would have been all hype train and then just disappointment. Yeah, I mean, you can't really say in terms of hindsight, but 
I, I don't think Wilson is the answer either. I mean, no, definitely not. I, and I'm not saying they're definitely that. not. They're definitely not like I think the Jets were a bit delusional at the trade deadline as well, not going after a guy like Josh Dobbs and maybe having him just in case Zach Wilson didn't pan out. And now look at where Zach Wilson has been since the trade deadline, essentially. He has not done anything, has not led his team to a touchdown at all. So I think it's really an indictment on the Jets. They did not do their full due diligence at the quarterback position this trade deadline. They should have gone out and get got someone like Josh Dobbs or another backup just to really assist Zach Wilson. And in case he didn't pan out like he isn't at the moment, really start in place of him. For the Raiders, though, they were a team that actually made changes. And you look at the results now, 2-0 since the trade deadline when they fired everyone. I mm. think that really shows. And Devontae at the end of the game as well, really shows the change in mood. He was so much happier than he was two weeks ago. And I, I got to say, that is a picture says a thousand words right there. When you look at J- Devontae Adams and his reaction from week number eight to week 10. Yeah, it's. I think that you know, if you're the Raiders, you're you're riding an emotional high. You you've won. Thank you. You think the football gods for both New York teams, um, because they're both just trash. And you know, now though, if you look at their schedule going forward, they've got a couple. They got Miami and Kansas City coming up. So I think they're going to come crashing back down to earth pretty quick. Mm. Uh, in this but you know yeah it's always fun to see a team get a little bit of an emotional high and and especially after a coaching change like that and and do something with it but you guys are right the the about wilson in the sense that he i think he had a decent game but and there's but he's still not the answer uh forward so they haven't the jets haven't scored a passing touchdown in over 35 drives oh that's their last their last three games that's 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 pretty bad Mm -hmm. that's a lot of football um that's that's nearly 10 hours worth of football since they've scored a passing (laughs) td so that is it's, it's crazy it's it's insane and it shouldn't and that's why saying that everyone, and it's not much, just Manjot, there's a lot of the NFL media are all saying that it will be better just because Rodgers is coming back. And he said he, there was a thing out during the, uh, that game, I think even, where he said to someone that he was going to be back uh, mid-December. So they're probably talking for the Jets somewhere around the Houston game um, in week 14, maybe week 15 against the Dolphins. But by that point, your season's are over. Because of how how they're playing right now, they're four and five. Um, yeah, and what are you coming back for? You know, that's right. I mean, the only thing you come back for is to make sure that you can still do it. I think you know. But and, and but then I would just say, you know, at that at his age and stage, just sit it out. You know, mm-hmm. um, let it let let it fully heal, so there's no doubt, and then just come back next season. The only thing that can help the Jets at this point and and that is if Rogers does get to does get to come back. Is it the fact that the Bills once again couldn't get out of their own way to beat a team that they definitely should have beat on Monday night football this week, coming up against the Broncos. 
The Bills ended up going down to the Broncos in a, another one-score game. This was the 10th one-score game this week. So 10 out of 14 games were one score, the majority of which were all within four points, which is an insane stat for a week's worth of games. But the Bills once again played down to an opponent, and this time they managed to play worse than an opponent. The Denver Broncos, however, came out on top 24 to 22, largely thanks to Danger Russ, a very different version of Russell Wilson that we are seeing this season. 24 of 29 for 193 and two TDs in this game. He is playing a, a very, very different style of football, I'd say, to what we saw out of him the last couple of seasons that he was in Seattle. And definitely a different style of football to what we saw them try and force in 2022, Manjot. Yeah, his last two games have been pretty good. I think Russell Wilson, he's almost back to his best, boys. I think a few of the games this season, he's had two or three touchdowns, and every single one of those games, there's six of them where he's had two-plus touchdowns, and in each of them, He's at 100 passer rating as well. So he's put up six good games this year. Let, let me just put that one out there. He's just been somewhat back to his best, I think. And today, I mean, watching his touchdown throw to Cortland Sutton, where Sutton makes a toe-tap catch. That just looked like Russell Wilson to Tyler Lockett back in the day. It was just the exact same sort of thing. And I thought that was very, very encouraging for the Broncos. I think the Broncos... They should be very excited with this vintage vintage rush rust performance here. And I think it's going to be something to watch for the rest of the season for the Broncos, especially they going up against in the Vikings in primetime again next week. I think that's going to be an interesting game, especially with how Russ is performing. I think he's going to be somewhat interesting to watch for the rest of the season if you're neutral, just to see if he's actually back now with Sean Payton. I think that offense is clicking even more importantly, that defense though of the Broncos, they are not allowing anything. They've gone back to the no fly zone of 2015 at this point. I I don't know what happened. This is the same team that just conceded 70 points a few weeks ago to the Dolphins in week three. Seven weeks later, we're talking about them as a top five defense, maybe even the best defense in the league at the moment. Coming into this game, they were like in the last three games, the fewest points per game allowed. It was just incredible what they have done since that that Miami game. Full credit to Vance Joseph. I thought he should have been fired after that Miami debacle, but he's really turned it around there. I think a lot of people said the same thing, but look at him. His coaching job out there, he's really built this defense. And I think the Broncos, they're not fully out of the playoff picture yet. They're a couple games behind the Texans who have the last wild card spot. And there's still a couple games back of the Chiefs, about three games back of them. So they're still not out of it. For the Bills, though, man, they should not be on the outside looking in. Yeah, it's pretty scary if you're Buffalo, just how quickly they've fallen off the cliff. Uh, they just look like a shell of themselves. And the the opposite is true for Denver. I, the question you got to ask is, are they a legitimate playoff contender now? Mm-hmm. And 
uh, you know, I personally wouldn't want to play against them right now. Uh, they they seem to be clicking, so we'll see. Uh, but they're putting themselves in a position to to what they're one game out of that final wild card spot. So we still got a lot of football left to play. So both teams could kind of you know turn it around, but. It, the Bills are are not looking good right now, and they've got. I mean, Josh Allen is just some of his his throws were just bad, just bad, bad, bad. Mm-hmm. So he's leading the league in interceptions, and he's he's got to figure it out. Uh, I don't know if it's a timing thing with him and the receivers, but they he's forcing the ball and he's just trying to do everything and he's he's got to dial it back and play within the system a little bit more yeah i think also the coaching staff as well kind of forces him to that i mean today it's it's kind of inexplicable they benched james cook after fumbling on the first play i know it's a bad play but I don't get why they bench him for three full drives, and then he comes out and has a great game. Yeah, 12, really carry, was... 12 carries for 109 yards he ended up with. He yeah. really could have been a, a difference maker in this game if they it, would have. It could have been pulled... a lot more. Yeah, They just need to pull their heads more. out of their ass, really, and let it let it be. It's so, Someone's going to fumble. Like, it doesn't – it's going to happen. It's not high school, yeah. man. It's I not mean, just football. It's... Josh Allen fumbled a handoff for for the fourth turnover of the game, you know, and gave uh-huh. the, and yeah. gave the the Broncos the ball to seal the game, basically. So, you know, everyone's going to fumble, everyone's going to do something. So, yes, and you're right, Brad. It's not high school. You can't punish them by sitting them. Uh-huh. You're not playing yeah. for Bill Belichick, or maybe that's, <laughs> maybe yeah. that's the problem. Maybe that's the problem is that the Bills think that still think that they're Pats. Yeah. Yeah, I really think at this point we've got to got to start asking questions with Sean McDermott. Too many years of continued failure. This one looks like another year where they're gonna fail and maybe even fail worse where they miss out on the playoffs. I just think, yeah, this Bills team should have really done better than just make an AFC Championship game. They should have at least made a Super Bowl with this roster, and it looks like it's all going downhill and really. Yeah, Dayball, I think, was really the reason they peaked back in 2020 and 2021. Once he left, this team has looked completely different. And Josh Allen has had to play. I think he's been forced to play in more of that mindset of he has to do everything. And I think that really shows someone has to get fired, especially if you lose a game by having 12 men on the field. That is a terrible coaching mistake. I think that alone shows everything. Yeah, exactly. To to have what would have been a a missed field goal attempt uh, and give you the win, come back because you've got twelve men on the field and give the kicker another shot at missing or sorry another shot at making a field goal that he just missed, um, which of course the majority kickers will hit the second time around. Mm. It's just that's just inexplicable. Um, and I think you you're both right. They are sitting tenth in the AFC right now in amongst that group of teams that are started by the Texans with the Bengals, who are four losses each. And then you've got Colts, Bills, Raiders, Chargers, the Jets and the Broncos, all with five losses each. It's that that mid part from seven to 14 in the AFC right now, anybody can grab that sixth and seventh spot. So it is, it is way up for grabs and, 
Yeah, I don't know, for for the Bills for a team that was touted to be such such a high of a high standard coming into the season, everyone thought that this was going to be their year. We were already talking conference championship and 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 hopefully Super Bowl to be sitting tenth in the AFC right now. If that's if that's where it ends up, they're gonna. I think they're just gonna have a fire sale come the come yeah. the end of uh, week eighteen. Yeah. Well, we we know uh, um, Diva is going to want to get out of Buffalo. Oh, yeah. uh, oh yes, he know. will. Satan so. locked him up today, like completely took him out of the game. Shows why he's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. I just want to highlight that as oh, well. It, show, it shows why the Broncos, despite having several calls from several teams about uh, Patrick Satan, that they yeah. they said no to every single one of them that he is staying. So. Oh good, yeah, good to see him show why. So we we just got to get that PFF grade up for me. So <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do that, bro. Yeah. For sure. All right, boys. That's week ten in the bag for the recap show. We move on to week eleven, of course, next week with some really big matchups, um, some fun ones. Bengals Ravens starting off on Thursday night football. That should. Appease Manjot's primetime football gripes uh, with yeah. Bengals and Ravens. It's going to be a chat to mute for that game on Thursday, uh, on Friday, I mean. <laughs> with oh, Manjot carry going to be every time the Ravens get the ball of you're going to be selling something. Um, but, yeah, some other fun ones going down the list real quick. We don't have to talk about them too much. Uh, there will be some... Interesting stuff. The Lions are going to whoop the Bears. That's going to be interesting. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to see Steelers Browns, who are both at six and three right now. We'll be able to get to see whether the Steelers, what Steelers are really made of. Um, Titans Jags. I wonder how that's going to go this season. Every other year, you would have said that that would have been one one of the games of the season for that division, but not so much this season. Uh, Jets and Bills, that's always traditionally been massive too. Not so much. Sunday night football, Benjop mentioned earlier, Vikings, Broncos, that should be a sneaky fun game on Sunday night for that one. And we finish off the week with the Eagles and the Chiefs. That is a hell of a week. Yeah, Super Bowl rematch to finish it off. I cannot wait for that one. What a hell of a week that is going to be, so... Um, four crap teams on by, which is thankful. That's why there's no bad games, man. Jot the Falcons, yeah, the, the Falcons and the Pats are on by. Hey, we don't have to talk about the Falcons next week. We might have to find something to talk about with the Falcons. Uh, we'll still, I'll figure something out. We can talk about them. Right, you just work <laughs> on that. All right, that has been a long one. Uh, we um, we don't mean it to be, but there's a lot of football to talk, and we do enjoy talking football with you every week. So make sure you follow along at our socials at get a gridiron on Insta and Facebook. Check out Manjot at pastry press NFL. Our other Aussie gridiron network shows, of course, in Aussie NFL fantasy and Mark at no huddle dynasty like, and follow all of our socials and let us know if there's anything you would like to hear us talk about on any of these podcasts and we'll take it under advisement. Uh, maybe we'll see boys. If Manjot gets some good, good stuff at pastry press NFL, you will, we'll talk about it. We'll see. How about that Manjot? Yeah. I'll put the challenge out there to the followers. 
We've got, some, we've got some juicy nuggets for week for the week eleven recap show. How about that? Let's go. Yeah. Watch your football. Give us some juicy hot takes about those games, and we'll we'll throw them in with the with all of the recap. Yeah, hundred percent for sure. But until then, till the other side of week eleven and all those amazing games. That is bye for now for me. Thank you, everyone. Later, everybody. Later, Skip. G'day Gridiron is brought to you by the Aussie Gridiron Network, a network of Australian podcasts bringing you some of the best content from the NFL and the local game. Check out our other podcasts, Aussie NFL Fantasy and No Huddle Dynasty.